0: Why, hello there, priests. You have found the hardest book review podcast there is, where we digest life-changing books. We shit out greatness, and we change our lives one book at a time. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. And here we go. Welcome back, this is Troy Hollings with the Curiously Disagreeable Podcast. What's the furthest length you've ever gone to win an argument? Maybe you pulled up Google during a heated family reunion and proved everybody wrong. Maybe you fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, kissed a man to prove your open-mindedness, put those industrial binder clips in your eyebrows, nipples, and ears, or maybe you sacrificed your body, virtue, and soul gambling on dog fighting in order to get that sweet sweet rush of victory for me i have a deep philosophical disagreement with my entire group of friends we all wanted to paw together all could be considered smart all got good grades and are now having varying degrees of what could be called success in the work world and it's always amazing to hang out with them you know fulfilling in a way i can only imagine a tesla electric car with low battery feels after a long day of driving come home put that male charger into the female hole and suck up that electric juice boy and we can disagree and debate on anything politics universal health care personal finance religion no issues but occasionally the conversation starts to drift towards the forbidden topic. Maybe we're talking about that Walmart cashier who went so slow checking me out that I could have lived a thousand lives before she checked out all my groceries. Or maybe one of my doctor friends, and this is, this is a surreal comment, uh, he it related the fact that you could fire half the nurses right now not replace them and I don't even think we'd notice a difference. I personally think that their highest best market use is human meat. And I was like, "Jesus Christ, but you got a point." And in the course of these types of discussions, one of them will invariably make a comment like, "You know, just not not everybody has the same mental hardware. You know, it's just unreasonable." to expect everybody to be able to perform at the same standards. Subtly alluding to our friend group's intellectual superiority at the same time taking for granted that intelligence, yeah, that is general and that is fixed. And I'll admit it, I get triggered. Because, see, one of my deepest core beliefs is that everything can be learned through deliberate, focused practice sales math martial arts project management ballet butchering a dead animal giving a blue collar man the love and he deserves anything and what starts as a civil discussion inevitably turns into a heated debate cuz i know two things one at various times in my life i've been both an actual master and a fucking mongoloid at different things. You know, the level of mastery in one domain only outshined by the level of pure idiocy in another domain. I was the best German student in my entire high school. I was a national Taekwondo champion. And I also, on the other side, I couldn't navigate back from IU to DePauw because my geospatial skills at the time were worse than an Indian street dog. And me and my good friend, I'll admit it we almost got raped and so uh i've been on both sides of the coin and i also know number two through deliberate practice i took an attribute quantitative things that i was objectively horrible at and i got good you know i'd first heard about this mythical deliberate practice reading the talent code i applied it to 400 level game theory 400 level formal logic class i crushed them both even though at the time i had ample evidence that i wasn't quantitative maybe maybe i was even stupid and if both of those are true expertise just can't be fixed it has to be learnable and i've taken that core tenet and applied it to bow hunting sales firearms having success at work and i kid you not i was just described as a unicorn at work bitch i'm not a unicorn I'm just a horse who grew a horn from repeatedly bashing his horse head into the fucking wall until a bone callus formed. This ain't a horn, this is a physical manifestation of stubbornness. And so, once or twice a year, When hanging out with all my good friends our conversation drifts to that forbidden elephant graveyard of genius and i start taking off my shoes taking the stuff out of my pockets circling until i only have to fight one of them at a time and preparing myself to fight my entire friend group and over the last decade uh, this concept of anything can be learned through practice has crystallized into a theory of learning for me and science (laughs) fucking agrees genius is not magic genius is not someone with a larger computer genius is someone who has practiced a fucking shitload and so just like one summer i started a company so i wouldn't have to get a summer job i present to you this series as the furthest a human might ever have gone to win an argument this whole thing is basically my long-form response to my fucking friends who are all trying to gang up on me and tell me that witchcraft is true So that's the first reason for what you're about to hear. The second reason, it's more selfish. I've learned that doing this here podcast is a life hack to burn in whatever material I'm covering. You know, I'll find myself in the world and all of a sudden I have an idea of what to do directly from the content of one of these books I've covered on here. You know, I'll be contemplating a life decision and then it just becomes so fucking obvious what Nassim Taleb would tell me to do that I cannot even imagine dishonoring him and not carrying a pistol. I even had a nightmare, I'm not making this up, where instead of pussying out like usual when an intruder was in my house, Colonel Cooper spoke to me like a god. I heard his voice in my dream, fight back, no matter the odds, no matter the cost, fight back. And I woke up as I was charging the intruder in my dream. And I'm like, (laughs) First time ever, not a pussy. Yes. And so we're about to cover something as valuable as having Colonel Cooper sitting on our shoulders during a gunfight. A 900 page textbook on expertise and expert performance. Oh my God. But before that, a bit of why you should fucking care. Now, full disclosure, me and my good buddy, Jordy, have uh, discarded all semblance of normalcy and text each other insane shit all the time. Here's an example, Geordie Troy text thread. Troy, philosophical text incoming. Deliberate practice turns calories, effort, and time into an actual physical asset in the brain that spits out the annuity of skill expression. Some of those possible skills equal dollars. Naval's concept of build mental models is actually insane. Invest the time now into the mental models that spit out the annuity of monetary success over the great Monte Carlo simulation of life. Then, when those models generate real money, invest that money in things that compound now. From a time value of money perspective, an hour of learning a new skill is probably worth a surprisingly large amount of compounded real money. So that's what I sent Jordy. Very, very cool text, I'll admit. Jordy responds, I feel like I've intuited this, and I knew that learning is important, but this really puts it in a clear way that blows my mind. Jesus. My takeaway is that you should live as cheaply as possible and spend as much time learning skills as you can, right now, all caps, for as long as you can manage, because eventually expenses will rise and learning time will go down. So compound that knowledge and savings early for as long as you can. Jesus. Again. The mindfuck part is that the practice turns into a literal physical asset that spits off an actual cash annuity. Fuck. All caps. 15 minutes later, he texted me again. It's like learning anything is anti-fragile because now the number of random events that you can take advantage of increases with every skill. Okay, need to go stare off into space from this epiphany now. Fuck. Again. Troy responds with a mind-blown cat gif and then WTF, 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 WTF. And so my priests, the second reason I'm covering this book is for that text exchange. Because if learning new things, mental models and skills is honestly the secret of how to get rich. And each skill we learn is legit, a physical asset in our brains that spits out money, then it makes sense. To go back to the source to find the garden of eden and tonight we're eating serpent because on this podcast we've covered various books about learning the talent code genius explained mastery the rise of superman the four hour chef all books about the learning process and all of these books every single one of them owes 90 percent of their success and ideas to an all father A man who hucked off the shackles of normality, who pissed in the face of decades of dogma in a time when it wasn't even assumed, it was just fact that experts were geniuses. IQ was law. You either had it or you didn't. And he thought, yeah, I'm not not so sure about that dog. And after devoting his entire life to understanding the learning process and how expertise can be grown... This man changed the fucking world for everyone, Anders Eriksson. The kernel of this idea first started when he went to see some violinist dude with his dad when he was a boy. This violinist guy broke one of his strings, then another, then a third. Finally, with only one string left, this master finished the performance on one string. And everybody was like, oh my God, what a genius. But Anders, see, he wasn't so sure because he knew a fact that no one else did that that violinist guy had practiced playing violin on only one string. And so Anders devoted himself to the studying of the learning and expertise development process. And in this effort, became the all father of expertise, the godfather of glorious golden gray matter gains, the superintendent of swollen scrotums, the fucking man. His ideas, anything can be learned through deliberate practice over a long period of time, completely revolutionized the world. Oh, and he also once told Larry King, that guy who took up a days ago, I thought he was a vampire, but it turns out he just died. Um, so rest in peace. He said, this idea that somebody more or less discovers suddenly that they're extremely good at something. I've yet to see a single type of example of this phenomenon and see were those other books were written to be interesting and digestible to humans well Anders he didn't have time for that pussy ass bullshit so just like Jocko was too busy killing to write a book until he'd retired from the seal teams Anders he just decided to skip the step of having renowned commercial success and instead wrote the actual textbook on expertise and expert performance cited hundreds of times by the aforementioned authors. I've known about this book since the first episode of the podcast, and just ignored it. But then one day, I was going to the bathroom. I looked down, and I saw my nuts—big, strong, hairy, one larger than the other—a testicular varicocele prominently displayed. What? And I realized: Can I honestly say I deserve my nuts? If I just took Daniel Coyle, Robert Greene, Tim Ferriss, or Stephen Kotler's word for it, I realized I needed to journey to the source. I needed to read his 900 page fucking textbook on the learning process. And so once again, I rolled up my sleeves, grabbed my machete, some cliff bars, and a monster energy drink, and started hacking my way through this jungle. And my priests, I promise. I'll eventually cover normal books on here. If it makes you feel any better, the next book in the hopper is The Art of the Rifle by Colonel Cooper. But until then, we're all going to have to shut the fuck up, grab our actual or metaphorical scrotums, bite down on our mouthpieces, prepare our bodies, and get ready to be anointed with the holiest of sacraments gold the secrets from the source of how to learn anything build an actual asset that will spit out actual money and achieve your wildest dreams here we fucking go Uh, Now, this book is absolutely insane. Um, It has like 70 chapters, some of which are written by other psychologists. And uh, so here's what I did for you all. I went through page by page like a drug addict trying to collect cocaine off random dollar bills from a football stadium. I found all the gold. So what I'm going to do is we're going to introduce the concepts a little bit. We're going to go through three case studies. Then he builds his theory of how to grow mastery and finally i'll close this horror up with my blunt jaded american summary of all this shit so it's just like that scene in 300 if you can hold if you can hold until the end we get the opportunity to look our enemies in the eyes to give to them nothing and to take from them everything end of the book encyclopedias define an expert as one who is very skillful and well-informed in some special field Experts have prolonged or intense experience through practice and education in said field. Expertise, then, refers to the characteristics, skills, and knowledge that distinguishes experts from novices and less experienced people. For example, chess masters will almost always win chess games against recreational chess players. These types of superior reproducible performances capture the essence of the respective domains and authors have been encouraged to refer to them as expert performance in this handbook. Okay. So he gets all fucking wild with definitions cuz this, this there's like a rule that psychology textbooks need to be fucking so confusing. But uh what he's saying is that an expert is someone who's very skilled, but they display expertise, and then expert performance is what anders created in his study of this which is measurable things you can actually study so like you know all of the best doctors say this one doctor is really good that's not expert performance because that's just like oh i bet he's probably pretty good but like how do we measure that expert performance would be can he do a heart surgery in this time with this level of accuracy and so i don't think all that shit's super fucking important but um he's being very deliberate and so I'll step in to clarify when it fucking matters but also don't explain to me how you made a golden crown just give it here bitch since the beginning of Western civilization there has been particular interest in the superior knowledge that experts have acquired in their domains of expertise Socrates and Aristotle had a boner for experts and it has always been something the Western world cared about Uh, much later during the Middle Ages Craftsmen formed guilds to protect them from competition. Uh, They passed their special knowledge of how to produce products such as barrels, lace, shoes to their apprentices. So these apprentices would typically start around age 14, commit to serve and study with the master for like seven years. Um, The length of time varied depending on the complexity. And once they got skilled enough, they could go out on their own. And if you think about it, that was really a way of just passing knowledge down so a new blacksmith didn't have to learn everything completely from scratch. But today, we're in the beginning of a golden age. Today's experts can rapidly acquire knowledge originally learned and accumulated by preceding experts. All we have to do now is read some books, take some fucking courses. And that level of performance is getting pushed year after year. There's some bitch named Francis Bacon. And he said it was impossible to master mathematics without 30 years of study. Well, in his day, mastering mathematics was calculus. Nowadays, we teach idiot high school students calculus. I even passed calculus. you <laughs> believe that. All that to say, the accumulation of knowledge about the structure and acquisition of expertise in a given domain, as well as knowledge about instruction and training of future professionals have until now, occurred almost exclusively within each domain so we've always wanted to know about experts but until recently the only people who cared about experts were people interested in whatever fucking field the expert was in so like we really care about experts but you know the only people who fucking cared about what the world's best bowler had to say or how the world's best bowler trained were bowlers you know even if that bowler guy even if he was immortal, we're like, eh. Because if you don't have an understanding of the way, it isn't immediately obvious what could be shared across diverse domains such as sports, medicine, and chess. You know, what could possibly be the same about playing a difficult piece of music, running a four minute mile, or playing chess at a high level? And this is where I'm gonna answer him everything. The premise for studying expertise is that there are sufficient similarities. The principles mediating the phenomena and the methods in different domains that it would be possible to propose a general theory of expertise and expert performance so he's saying is that what do these things have to do with each other well they're similar enough because humans learn them that we can take out all the nuggets from all these domains and that is what Anders has done for us and we can build a general theory of expertise and even further Once we know how experts organize their knowledge and their performance, can we improve? Can we get to higher levels? Would it maybe even be possible to facilitate the development of those rare individuals who make major creative contributions to their domains? Can we grow? Kusemonos. Now, the core of my annual deep desire to to fistfight my entire friend group is individual differences. Okay. So how can we prattle on about growing geniuses when it's so obvious that geniuses are born? And if you remember back to that Wisdom of Crowd series uh, where there was that that, uh, jabroni named Francis Galton, he was old, he was British, he was an ass, and his entire thesis was that everybody is idiots. Uh, he went to some fair if you remember where there was this weirdly insensitive game of guessing the weight of a butchered ox and Gal- and galton's assessment was basically there are no men of letters here i'm surrounded by actual idiots and his whole theory was that improvements they obviously happened but they happened at the beginning at which time each person reached their own per- personal maximum level of performance so like Yes, when you haven't done something and you start it, you get better. But his thing was, okay, well, you get better till this fixed level of performance that everybody has built in just like height. But Anders, yeah, Anders wasn't buying it. And in the 1900s, uh, people really started testing this. Uh, They started looking at large groups of experts to measure their powers like speed, memory, intelligence, you know, those theoretical fixed traits like height or body size that were assumed to be responsible for genius so like if galton's little fucking theory was true okay you learn it quickly at the beginning and then you hit your fixed level for memory and this is the most you'll ever be able to remember so your computer's just not big enough but when the expert performances were compared to the to the control groups there was no evidence supporting galton's hypothesis of the general superiority of experts because This superiority was found to be specific to certain aspects related to the particular domain of expertise. So what that means is chess experts were indeed way better at remembering chess positions, but they weren't better at remembering. They were better at remembering chess positions. Not even IQ could distinguish the best among chess players, artists, or scientists. And so what he's saying is that You know, Galton recognized people improved rapidly when they started something. And he obviously noted what everyone else who has gone to Walmart fucking notices, which is like, yeah, some people are idiots. But then he was like, well, eventually, you just run up against the limits of your hardware. But when psychologists have tried to study experts, you'd imagine that the limits of their hardware would be obvious. You know, like, if you wanted to do a study on height or body size or foot size. I mean, it would would almost be trivial. It's like, yeah, his feet are bigger, but that's not what they found. What they found was domain specificity. These experts have gotten really good at specific things, not generally good broadly. You know, they were the best metaphorical German student in the high school, but while also being the worst metaphorical navigator in the state of Indiana. And even IQ isn't related at all to who's the best. Systematic differences between experts and less proficient individuals nearly always. And you know, in psychology terms, nearly always is like all the time because they have to be very careful with their wording. As was noted by this book being so fucking hard to read and goddamn annoying. Nearly always reflects attributes acquired by the experts during their lengthy training. So any differences does not come from fixed traits, does not come from IQ, comes from attributes acquired during training so if galton if galton's not right well what is right well good news Anders erickson is just like his great 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 grandfather leif erickson charted these waters and he is here to fuck shit up and kill a god he approached the study of expertise a little differently than other people you know a lot of these researchers and we talked about this a little bit like this is his expert performance idea Um, Basically, he decided that, okay, we gotta have some rigor around here. So the way that he studied experts was by representative tasks you could reproduce in the laboratory. So can an expert really draw their pistol and fire five shots in one and a half seconds? If they can, they're an expert. If they can't, they're not. And using this idea as a starting point, Anders spent his entire fucking life studying expertise. He recently passed away and this book is his life's work. And just like Galton, he agrees, most individuals who start as active professionals or as beginners in a domain change their behavior for a limited time until they reach an acceptable level. Beyond this, further improvements appear to be unpredictable and the number of years of work and leisure experience in a domain is a poor predictor of attained performance. Hence, continued improvements in achievements are not automatic consequences of more experience and in those domains where performance consistently increases aspiring experts seek out particular kinds of training tasks designed for the particular performers by their teachers and coaches deliberate practice so he's saying is that yes just like galton he saw that some people start and everybody starts and they get a little bit better and then they, they cap out but instead of the answer being, well, it's because of fixed traits. Their computer's just not big enough. He created this method to study expertise and he realized, holy fuck, everybody who's an expert, it's from their training. None of Galton's shit's right. And when you when you dig into their training, these continued improvements are from doing a super specific type of practice. And in this book, is gonna clear up all this shit, dive into the void, and return with the golden fucking egg of repeat expert performance. This handbook was designed to provide researchers, students, teachers, coaches, and anyone interested in attaining expertise with an up-to-date, comprehensive reference to methods, findings, mechanisms, and theories. This is also a suitable text for graduate courses on expertise and expert performance. There is considerable knowledge That is accumulating across many domains let's look at these generalizable insights because this theoretical framework has several implications it implies that if someone is interested in the upper limits of human performance and the most effective training to attain the highest levels they should start studying the techniques of the experts who've spent their entire lives trying to reach peak performance it also implies that the study of expert performance will provide us with the best current evidence on what is humanly possible to change and improve with today's methods and what elite performers might achieve in the future. Because nowadays, the world's changing. You know, the lifelong quest for learning will not just be restricted to experts anymore. In order to be productive members of society, we will all be encouraged to adopt the characteristics and methods of experts. So here we go. That is just the fucking intro. Strap in, get ready. We soon will all be anointed dinosaur kings. Now Anders does not follow the 80-20 principle in this damn book. And so there's a bunch of chapters that I'm skipping. Um, And he's also a kind god. And so he let a bunch of other people write in his book. And um, so he spends a bunch of pages explaining why expertise exists, how to study it, um whatever there's some sociological analysis of expertise which sucks some fucking life world analysis which is like drawing all these weird distinctions no one cared about um then some bitch named bo talked about evolution um and, and, and all these chapters too are, are written by other people and they're they're kind of like low key trying to dick ride anders and talk about how great deliberate practice is like oh anders i love your idea of deliberate practice do you want to deliberately practice with me and then award me a fellowship at florida state university oh anders i love your name and all the s's in it other such things but you see i don't care why it exists that's like trying to explain to me why firearms are awesome. Obviously. And we're going to spend a tiny bit of time talking about how to study it. Then we're going to move into case studies. Because there's a long history of people trying to study expertise and, and, and some recurrent themes that are probably important to set the context as we start digging into this. So, you know, before 1950, is basically just like wars and shit. So, no one was really studying this. But from 1950 to 1980, um, you know, everybody basically just thought that geniuses were true. You know, you were just, it was the, the land of the IQ tests. You got, you measured kids early, you did their IQ, and then, like, well, hey, here's the idiots. There's nothing we can do about them you know they're gonna be welders but 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 in reality that's not true but that's where it was uh but then 1980 they started started studying it a little bit better um you know it's, it's just like thinking bloodletting is real but you start to study it and realizing wait a second there is not one shred of evidence that bloodletting is useful a few trends started to emerge that cast a little bit of doubt on that just like fucking innate genius law that that was the just that wasn't even up for debate that was just fact in 1950 the first was that hours spent in practice uh that's pretty important you know that somebody came up with this damn 10,000 hour rule um it's like holy shit i guess i can be an expert with just 10,000 hours uh, another thing that started to pop up that we've already talked about but it's going to be a recurrent theme here is domain specificity you know experts they really only were good at their own domain. The superiority of them could be related to their organized, relevant knowledge rather than some global superiority such such as intelligence or better reasoning. You know, so if they're incredibly good at paintball, they're actually just incredibly good at paintball. They're not also gonna be really good at, you know, deer hunting right away. Or uh, you know, soccer, definitely not. Another trend that started to emerge is it looked like experts, um, they learn things the same way that we all do, but eventually they, they're able to combine a whole skill into different chunks. You know, each chunk containing the, a monumental amount of information. So we're like, I might be able to remember five things about a chess game I'm playing. The expert, yeah, they can remember five things too, but those things are the chunks that contribute to memorizing the entire fucking chessboard and then just holding those five chunks in their mind it also looked like maybe experts were better able to monitor themselves like you know oh man i fucked it up let me get better and so that's the world when anders started to dig in and study this shit there's a lot of people still stuck in that old way because it's attractive you know it's it's easy it lets you off the hook yeah i just don't have a big enough computer sorry guys i can't play that game But then some research coming out saying, wait a second, maybe hours spent practicing matter. Maybe experts aren't generally better. They're actually just specifically better. Maybe they're using these chunks. Maybe they're able to monitor themselves better. And that's where our boy came in. He was pretty sure that expertise wasn't fixed. He was actually convinced of that. He was pretty sure that number of hours mattered. But he also thought, there's got to be another level. There's got to be more to this story experience alone just can't be sufficient for developing expertise because he kept seeing people who started a task and had that plateau we talked about you know you start golf you improve a lot and then you like plateau but then he also saw people who started and just never fucking stopped improving you know the people that galton's theory would say are the geniuses but after digging in like we talked about there still wasn't any evidence that these people were geniuses so what the fuck is going on and that's where anders spent his whole career researching and he figured out that all these experts engage in purposeful practice for which they design particular training environments where they practice and attain specific skills you know to, to understand and have that complex representation of the game of soccer an expert needs to deconstruct, deconstruct soccer into the component parts You know, juggling getting super fucking good at juggling endurance exercise cardio uh, pattern recognition communication with the team and then this deliberate practice this purposeful practice is the act and it's the thing that experts engage in that propels them to genius levels where they just work on those specific aspects in a protected environment with opportunities for reflection, repetition, and feedback. And that is where we're going. Anyone who listens to our boy Anders can expect to at least understand how they could grow themselves into a genius, moving into structural changes in the brain associated with expertise. Expert performance should actually not be possible. The contrast between lesions and healthy tissue in radiological images are barely visible, yet experienced radiologists only need a split second to notice something's wrong. Chess grandmasters regularly find the best solution, often after a single glance and without much deliberation in an environment where there are allegedly more possibilities than atoms in the universe. And so this chapter digs into how the brain changes in response to expertise. You know, because the Galtonian view is that it's fixed, like height. Okay, it's easy to measure, you just graph it on a fucking bell curve. Actually not even that interesting to study. On the other hand, if it's not true that that's the case, and it appears there's no evidence whatsoever that there is, maybe it's like Vegeta going into the hyperbolic time chamber and rebuilding his body and coming out as a super saiyan. Expertise is a prime example of how various cognitive processes such as memory, attention, and perception come together to enable a truly magnificent performance. You know, think think back on that uh, radiologist example. Radiological images carry a wealth of information, like, so fucking much. Like, it, um, imagine coding a machine learning algorithm to read radiology images. Like, the amount of complexity in that is very high. I don't know if we can do that yet, but uh, it's very high. Nevertheless, skilled radiologists can spot over 70% of pathologies even when the images are presented for only 200 milliseconds. Experienced radiologists are able to perform so well in so little time because they've stored numerous instances of radiological images in their long-term memory. These stored knowledge structures... Are called by different names. Uh, some people call them schemas. Some people call them scripts. But their primary function is to make sense of the incoming new stimuli. And with all those Im- seemingly impossible demands on the brain, the brain reacts to these new demands with structural and functional changes. So, an, just an example to illustrate. Um, but we have seen so blind people. So, so, so um, you know, someone who becomes blind. There's an insane brain reorganization where the connections to the visual areas get reestablished, and and, you know they they apply somewhere else. So that plasticity um, is seen in those brains of the experts Um, and read the damn book if you want Uh, but he goes into a bunch of different types of expertise and how the brain changes but the summary is in all the areas of the brain they looked at comparing experts to non-experts and even people pre and post expertise acquisition. So there's that uh, crazy example, which I just thought must be true. And, um, but I, would never didn't know if I any had anything to back it up, but the, um there's this like London this London taxi cab driver certification cuz London's like you know just added on it's like that shitty house that you add on more and more rooms until like you know there's nine different iterations of when the house was built and it's super complicated so you know there's no logical grid the streets are fucking crazy and so being a uh being a taxi driver is insane and before GPS and I would even guess now it's still hard um you know it was really hard to know where you're going and so the, these this is like a famously hard test and you have to earn a license to be a taxi driver and um they studied people before that test because like you studied for, for two years and it's like you have to pass you have, you know, you've got to pass like a written portion you've got to be able to navigate someone from one part of the city to the other and like find the smartest way and when they studied someone before that test and after their brain actually was different afterwards when they were displaying that expert performance but if you had that fixed view like well yeah you're just it's just fixed you're just tall like that's how it you're, you're tall you didn't get taller when you joined the NBA after two years it was just your height but instead when they look at the brain actual neural pathways are built wrapped in myelin and the experts basically just build these super highways to rapidly and perfectly do the skill which if you think about it It's basically like going and sampling all the Mr. Olympias since 1980 and figuring out that all of them started out as small little pussies. Drugs and genetics didn't matter. Their abundance of gains came just from training. That is what it appears to be is true. Concluding remarks. The discovery of the complex structures of the mechanisms that execute expert performance and mediate it mediate its continued improvement has had both positive and negative implications. So he's saying discovering all these things, these complex structures that execute and mediate improvement, meaning you have these complicated parts of your, things that are going on in your brain, these mind maps that are firing. And it appears that the way that they improve is you get more myelin, you get faster connection, and it's a plastic thing akin to building muscle in your mind. On the negative side, it just isn't possible to become an expert without a fucking shitload of practice and effort. You know, now there are are tools and technologies that might speed things up. You know, think about the calculus example. It doesn't take 30 years now. We've got textbooks. But you're going to have to put in the fucking work. But on the positive side, the discovery of effective training methods for acquiring complex cognitive mechanisms has allowed investigators to propose types of training that appear to allow Individuals to acquire levels of performance that were previously thought to be unobtainable except for the elite group of the mythically innately talented. God damn it, dude. You need to have shorter sentences. But he's saying the negative is like, bitch, there's no shortcuts. But the positive is because we figured out that the people who were geniuses, who had that never ending improvement that Galton did see, but thought that geniuses, no, that's why they're doing it turns out it's effective training mechanisms and the good news is you're gonna have to put in the work it's bad but the good news is anybody can now have performance at the same level of those mythically innately talented because the brain it actually changes anders says it is our vision that the study of expert performance will become a science of learning and the human adaptations that are possible in response to specialized extended training. When the goal is truly elite achievement, the study of expert performance offers a unique source of data that is likely to help us understand the necessary factors for success to become. Kuse And so that is where we are going. Honors will build his whole theory. He'll break down everything you could ever fucking guaranteed ever want to know about the learning process. And then we will ride off into the sun. But if you want that and you want to learn about some specific case studies on the next episode, we cover medicine, we cover sports, we cover music. If you want that, if you want more, if you want everything you could ever imagine, you're going to have to tune in next time on the next episode of the Curiously Disagreeable Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that, my pretties, is another episode down of the Curiously Disagreeable podcast. Check us out at CuriouslyDisagreeable.com, the Troy Hollings on Instagram, or wherever the fuck you get your podcasts. The end.